This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And as you know, this is a program. I'm Renette Marburg on Radio K Pulpit 729 AM, and my program's called Rise. And I have such a special, precious pastor, Andre Vanel, in the studio with me. And I tell you now, what an amazing man of God. And we are so privileged to have him here this afternoon with us. And as you know, we talk about giving you real wisdom, guidance, and knowledge, and of hope. And Pastor Vanel, you are so loaded with that message of hope. I cannot wait to do this uh, interview with you. So this afternoon, we're going to be talking about a call to repentance. And uh, so I don't want to elaborate on that because I can tell you now, we need to hear what Pastor Vanel has to say for us, to tell us this afternoon. So Pastor Vanel, thank you so much for joining this afternoon. And we are going to first listen to something, a track, and then we're going to continue with our conversation. Good afternoon, family and friends, and I just want to say thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And I have a very special guest in my in the studio this afternoon. It's Pastor Andre Vanel. He's a, a prophetic apostolic pastor from Hermanus, and his ministry is called the Prophetic Word Ministry. And he's been invited to the White House and been in a strategic vessel for reconciliation between the nations. And I'm so proud to have you here and such a privilege, Pastor Andre. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Yeah, thank you, Renette, and thank you to all the listeners that are listening to us today. Um, he has such an amazing uh, message with, for us this afternoon. It's about call to repentance, even as a nation. And you have been strategically used as a vessel between the um, American government and the Cherokee. But uh, you've just been to uh, Virginia, am I correct? Um, am I correct, Pastor? And I was there uh, a while ago, a couple of years ago, but mm. I, um, I was I missed this uh, call to repentance now because of my uh, health situation. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I have been to Virginia. Virginia, and that was where it all started. Yeah, correct. So if you can just give us a, a bit of a background and where this other assignment that you've just been uh, fulfilling right now in this year. Okay. So if you can just give us a bit of a background of where all this started and where you are right now. Okay, so this is what happens. You know, the Bible says in the last days I shall speak to my people through dreams and visions. So I had a dream, and I dreamt of these children being chased by these bayonets, these soldiers, in the snow. And it was, and they were all screaming, and the woman was screaming in the dream, and uh, I very compassionately burst into tears. And I couldn't see the uniforms of the soldiers at all. I could only just see their legs. And I woke up and I asked my wife, in South Africa, do we have that kind of history? And she said, no, we don't, because we don't really have the snow. Didn't understand it. And then and a couple of days later, I, I've learned something about the Lord. When he shows you something, wait. He'll mm. tell you what it means. Yes. A couple of days later, I was standing I had another dream that I was standing outside looking at the stars in the sky, and they all started to move, and they made this, these words, trail of tears. I didn't know what that was. I had no idea. Google is a wonderful thing. Mm. I got into Google. Trail of tears was all about the Cherokees being chased out of North Carolina 
in the snow to Oklahoma because the uh, the powers that be in those days wanted the land for cotton and for tobacco. So I understood it was about the Cherokees. It had no bearing on me. I'm a South African. and American history has got no bearing on me. Except that I went to America a couple of months later like I normally do, and I've been there many times. And uh, somebody asked me to go and minister to uh, a group of bankers. And I thought, okay. And uh, someone had come to me and said, Pastor, you are going to be in the highest building on a city, overlooking a city, and there's going to be a crown above your head. And you're going to turn around, and there'll be 10 men at the table, and what you say will change the fate of a nation. Well, what? <laughs> I said, you've got to be crazy. That's just too complicated for mm. me. But mm. you know what? I've learned one thing. Don't despise prophecy. You might not agree, but don't despise. Mm. Anyway, so they, they phoned me, please will I come and minister to these bankers. They take me up the Bank of America's building, the tallest building in Charlotte, North Carolina. They take me right to the top. I'm overlooking the city, and above me there's a concrete crown because Charlotte is the queen city of, uh, of North Carolina. That's correct. And I turn around, and there are 10 men sitting at the table. Oh, my hair stood on it, I must tell you. So I said to him, listen, guys, what can I tell you from the Bible? I mean, you guys are all very astute. They said, no, we want to know why there's no rain. I said, that's very simple. And, of course, their eyes were, what do you mean simple? I said, it's simple. David had no rain in Israel, so what did he do? He went to the Lord, and he said, why have I got no rain? And the Lord said, because of what what Saul did to the Gibeonites. There was a contract with the Gibeonites. Saul broke it because they lived in the land of Benjamin and, they, and he wanted his land. And, and he couldn't break that contract. Now, here's the interesting thing. The Moravians went into North Carolina and the only indigenous people that they led to Jesus were the Cherokees. And a few years later, the president says, out. And they chased them out of North Carolina. So I said to him, listen, guys, you guys need to repent. I said, and it's not the pastors to repent. It's the politicians. And the one guy said to me, he said, you don't know what you're saying. You don't know. And another guy said, I understand because my wife is a Sioux. It's a different Indian tribe. Um, I, you're not going to hear the end of this. Well, we got downstairs the Bank of America after the meeting. And um, there's a phone call. Hello, is that Pastor Andre? I said, yeah, it's me. <laughs> This is the governor of North Carolina. I want to see you. So I ended up going to Raleigh to the governor's house, and I saw the deputy something or the other. And um, he was part of the governor's team, and he wanted to know why they had no rain for 18 months. Now, North Carolina is a wet state. Yes. So it was very unusual. So I told him the story, and he never flinked. He never, he never blinked his eyes. It was like a concrete that I was talking to. And I walked out there, and I said to my host, I said, that guy didn't get it. But I was wrong, because by the time we got outside of that building in Raleigh, the, head, the, the, the governor's mansion, the phone went, hello, is that past Andre? Yeah. This is the White House. We want you to come to the White House and tell us a story. Now, one of the bankers in the meeting in Charlotte had been phoning all the politicians, saying, you've got to hear this guy. So I said to my host, I can't go to, to Washington. I haven't got money. I mean, I, you know, you go yes. there. <laughs> in ministry. He said, Lord, you know. He said, don't worry, we'll pay. So we go off to Washington, and they lead me into the White House. And the first thing that happens is I go through this metal detector, and as I do that, the phone goes. And it's my mother-in-law and the soldiers standing next to the metal detector. And you know how fierce they look. they got all their bling on their shoulders and yes. medals. 
and he's got this funny cap that sticks over his eyes. And with a frown and a scream, he shouts at me, turn the phone off. I get such a fright, I drop the phone. Because mm. now I'm in the White House. This is the most powerful building in the in world. The world. <laughs> you know, we go into the into the building and then we go and we minister. We were going to minister to George Bush, but unfortunately the night before we got there, he had to go to Iraq. So I spoke to a guy called Jonathan Phelps, who was his commissar or whatever they yes, call him. Yes, yes, yes. And um, I started to tell him the story. And while I'm talking to him, a vision drops in front of me and I see him standing before the mirror and he's shaving and he's crying. And he says these words, Lord, what is going to happen to me when George Bush goes out of office? Because they're only in office as long as that uh, president that president in is in, yes. So I said, that's what, that's what happened this morning. The man got tears in his eyes and he said, how do you know? I said, it's the Lord, it's prophecy, it's the way that God speaks. And I said, sometimes he speaks through people. I said, but I tell you what, he sent a man from Africa to tell you about Jesus. You need to get saved. We led him to the Lord in the White House. Praise the Lord. So now he says, you're never going to hear the end of this. <laughs> and I go, okay. <laughs> we go down, we get to the to the Washington airport. Now, is that Pastor Andre? Another phone call. Yeah. This is Donica Perry Hudson. I want you to come on my TV station. I said, whoa, 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 please. This has been such an emotional roller coaster for me. Yes, yes. Please don't ask me now to do more. <laughs> Can we just have a break for a few days? Because it was emotionally. It's, yes, it's quite it takes taxing. a lot from you. Mm. So um, she said, "Fine," and we, I got onto TV, and uh, they did the whole thing on TV for me, with me, and then I came home, and then I got a phone call. I was home not a month. Hey, is that past honor? Yeah, it's past honor. You must come back to the States. I said, there's no ways I can. I don't have that kind of money. I mean, it's 16, 20 grand every time you book a ticket. Don't worry, Pastor, we'll pay. I go back. They're having a ceremony in Murphy, North Carolina. It's got a little hill in the town. It was the place where the Indian chiefs had their, their, their tents. Mm. That was like Ubuntu yes. amongst the Cherokees. And at that same place. And they had a, a Cherokee orchestra and they had... 500, about 500 people there, politicians and their interns. And they brought in the two Cherokee chiefs, one from Oklahoma, one from North Carolina, because there are two of them, sat them down and washed their feet <gasps> mm. and apologized for the trail of tears. Yeah. Incredible. And, I, and then they said, you must prophesy over us. So I stood up and the Lord gave me a word and I declared that word. And that was the beginning of the story with the Cherokees. Well, since then, uh, in 2000, and oh, I don't know what year it was, 13, 14, 15, around about there, the president, which was Obama, issued a presidential apology for the Trail of Tears. Wow. So Incredible. That, so that's been, that's been sorted. But there's another side to it. And the other side is the story of Trail of Tears. If you go to the museum uh, in North Carolina, it is so depressing you actually just hate people when you come out of there so depressing. Yes, yes, it's just so... It's sad. It's ter It's actually horrible. And the, the thing is, the key to this whole thing is the Cherokee Nation were the only nation, indigenous people, that received Jesus as Lord. And the president was a Christian. So the, there's, there's a, a, a war, a civil war within the church. Mm -hmm. At any rate, so... Um, I, I then 
the Lord wakes me up one morning. He said, tell me to change the name from the Trail of Tears to the Trail of Joy and let them exodus back from Oklahoma to North Carolina. Now what's happening, I have to go back to do a documentary, which they're doing on the Trail of Joy, and they're going to start an exodus of people coming back, not necessarily to stay in North Carolina, but to identify Indian lands in North Carolina. And that's that's, that's the story. That's the story. Yeah. Wow, that is an incredible, mm. credible journey that you were strategically a vessel for na- navigating that. Mm. And so, Pastor, you know, um, out of all that ministry that you did there, it opened up other doors for you. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel that we need to uh, cover that uh, right now, but there was a beautiful story that you came through with the um the unforgiven you know the unborn child mm. and the iniquities of that and mm. that also was another point of ministry where you felt that you know America has started the whole um, abortion uh, laws uh, being acceptable uh, what was your take on that well that's interesting because uh, I uh, let me tell you a story if I can yes, you can I went to heaven. I actually got Lyme disease and I went to heaven. And one of the things the angel in heaven showed me were these children that were extremely sad. There was about, I don't know, about 20 or 30 children in a circle. Very sad. And I asked the angel, I said, well, that's impossible. These are kids. I mean, put put five to 10-year-olds in a circle. They'll all be pulling hair and shouting at each other and playing games. With them. Nothing. They were dead still. I said, what's wrong with those kids? He said, they're the children without a name. Sure. I said, what? They have no name. And they cannot belong to a family unless they have a name. I said, why haven't they got a name? He said, because their mothers have never given them a name. Mm. I said, I don't understand what you're saying. He said, every child that's aborted, every child that's miscarried is still a child and needs to have a name. Mm. I go, wow, that's crazy. So at any rate, I... Uh, it, it, it struck me. It was one of those things that I just cannot forget. When I when I eventually, um, I was very ill, and then when eventually I came right again and uh, went back to the States to do some ministry, I was in a ladies' meeting one morning, and I was ministering, and um, there was a lady that was very depressed. And I noticed it, and I said to her, why are you so depressed? You're so down. What's the problem? Everybody's singing and worshiping, and you, you chip still. And she said, no, there's nothing wrong with me. And I said, okay, and I carried on ministering. And her friend next to her said, tell him the truth, man. Don't lie to him. So I came back to her and I said, why are you like that? She said, because I had a miscarriage eight years ago. And as she said that, I saw this little girl running around her in the spirit, pulling on her dress. Mm. And I thought, what's that all about? So I said, who's the little girl? She said, I don't know. So I said, were you going to have a little girl or boy? She said, a girl. I said, what would you have called her? She said, I would have called her Grace. I said, now let me tell you the truth. I have a daughter, but she lives in Durban. But because she lives in another place, she's still my daughter. Yes. Now, because your child is in heaven, doesn't make her any less your child. Now, this is what we're going to do. I said, let's pray and ask the Lord to forgive you if you did anything to cause a miscarriage. Unintentional or intentional, it doesn't matter. Lord, please forgive me, which we did. I said, now I want you to speak to Grace. 
I said, I know it doesn't suit your Baptist theology. I know that. But that's not the point. The point is your daughter in heaven needs to know that mommy recognizes her. Yes. Grace, this is your mother speaking. I'm so sorry I could not play and pray with you on earth. But I promise you when I come to heaven, we'll play and pray together. I must tell you, Renette, the Spirit of God came down in that meeting. Yes. The presence of God came into that meeting. Mm-hmm. And like I'm choked up now. Yes. I wept <laughs> I like a child. The mm-hmm. lady wept like a child. She said, you don't know who I am. I said, lady, I've never seen you in my life. I don't know who you are. I'm from South Africa. She gave me her name. She said, my name is Carla. She says, I used to be a gospel singer in the Southern Baptist Convention. That means she used to go from one Southern Baptist church to another singing. I've never sung a song since the miscarriage. I've been so bitter and twisted. Mm. I said, let's pray. And I said, Lord, to deliver you from the shame and guilt, which we did. And then joy returned to her. Then there was a smile on her face. Now, here's the key. Three months later, I'm sitting at home and FedEx are at my door with a parcel from America. I open the parcel. And inside the parcel, there's a CD. Dear Pastor Andre, thank you so much. I'm singing again. And here's my first CD. Oh, what a story. Oh, what an absolute beautiful story. This is where God's grace comes on us and he gives us purpose to live, Mm. to be able to be saved and move into our destiny with peace, knowing that we are going to see our children in heaven. It's one of the stories that I cannot... Every time I hear your, the story, I, I, I get so choked up. But we're going to take a break right now. And I would like us just to continue on that, you know, that conviction and guilt that as mothers that we often carry and how important it is for us just to, you know, that we need to live so that we can take see our children. Mm. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Andre. Good afternoon, family and friends. And we are having such an incredible conversation about a call to repentance. And I have Pastor Andre Vano from Hermanus here with me this afternoon. And he has got such a touching story. And um, I, I get so choked up every time I hear it um, about the consequences that we have as parents and uh, when there's an abortion and uh, or a miscarriage and you know sometimes it's due to health or whatever the reasons are and there are always consequences but to a nation as well that allows abortion um there are consequences to that so pastor andre you know how do we come back from that uh our iniquities and for entertaining it and accepting it and partnering with these um, organizations and nations that do abortions. So, um, you know, you've had an extensive many years of, of ministering in these different countries where it's just happening and it's now in South Africa as well accepted. So what is the consequences? Well, firstly, let me just read a scripture to you that to me is frightening. And the scripture says uh, it would be better for him. If a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. Sure. That's the scripture that's in Luke chapter 17, verse 21. So I tell you one more story, then one more story, then I'll tell yes. you the consequences. So we go to a 
church in Charlotte, North Carolina, called King's Kitchen. It's a linen and silver restaurant in the week, and on Sunday the the guy who owns a restaurant turns it into a church and he gets all these people basically from the inner city into the church and it's it's chock-a-block so we have this meeting and um, there's a rock and roll band and i i get so cross because i can't minister in the spirit when they're when it's very noisy and it's rock and roll and i say stop guys please and i'd ask the guy to come with a clarinet to come and play and as he played the clarinet the Spirit of the Lord came back. Then I can minister in the Spirit. And uh, we have the line, and we call the people up for prayer, and this young guy gets up. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is because abortion, we always think it's the woman that suffers, but sometimes it's the man. Yes, absolutely. The guy comes up, and, he, and I say, why? And he's weeping, and I say, how can I help you? And he says, my girlfriend will not marry me because she says she doesn't trust me, and she has no reason not to trust me. I'm supportive of her in every way. I said, where's your girlfriend? No, she's in the back. I said, bring her. He goes and he fetches her and brings her. This beautiful little Spanish lady. And I said, okay, my dear. And now she's beginning to cry because of the presence, not because of anything that we're doing. And I say, what's the deal? She said, I can't trust him. I said, but why not? She said, every time I have a relationship with a man, he makes me pregnant and he makes me have an abortion. Oh. I've had five. Painful. Now, the guy didn't even, I mean, if he knew, he didn't know, I don't know, he's just blubbing, he's just crying like a baby. So I say to her, okay, the first thing we do is let's apologize to the Lord for the killing of the children. Secondly, let's speak to the children. Do you know what their names are? She said, no, I don't even know they're boys or girls. So I said, well, then take neutral names mm. like Sam or Jess. Make them neutral. It could be for a boy or a girl. And I want you to speak to them. I think some of the Pentecostal pastors will say, I'm really off the rocket, but it really does bring deliverance to them. And she started to declare, uh, Jess and Sam, and I can't remember all the names, I'm sorry we didn't pray together and play together on earth, but we will, when we get to heaven, we are going to pray and play a lot together. Mm. And I can see the first thing that happens is the guilt and the shame starts to disappear. And the joy returns. Then I said, well, go and write the children's names on a magnet and stick it on the fridge. Or get a piece of paper, magnetize it, yes. stick it on the fridge. Every morning, what you do is you go into your kitchen and you say, Jess, Sam, remember me. I'm your mother. I'm coming soon to play oh, and pray with you in heaven. Okay. They got married soon after that. So that whole distrust thing was gone. Gone. So I said to the Lord, what's the consequences of this situation? Here's the scary scripture. What you sow is what you reap. If you sow with a sword, you reap the sword. If you sow with a syringe, you reap the syringe. God says, Rather tie a piece of concrete around your neck and drown yourself in the sea than face the anger and the wrath that is to come. Yes. Okay, now there's a so scripture in Revelation. truth. There's a scripture in Revelation which is even more frightening, and it says this. They cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge us of our blood? on those who dwell on the earth. Revelation 6 verse 10. There's going to come a day of vengeance. 
where God has to hear the cries of those children that are crying in heaven. Sure. How long, O oh Lord, are you going to let these people get away with this killing of the children? Yes, Lord. So judgment has to come mm-hmm. because what you sow is what you reap. That's an eternal law. That doesn't matter what nation you are. If you get into that, that's what's going to happen to you. You kill 60 million babies, 60 million of your population will die. What you sow is what you reap. You can't can't avoid that. So I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, tell me me what's going to happen. And I I heard these words, a fire by day and a flood by night. And it will come on clouds of darkness. Mm. And I go, man, now what is that about? Now, I must tell you something. I get these strange words, and I don't understand sometimes a thing about them. And then I start to read the Old Testament, and I was in Genesis, or in Exodus, and I suddenly read, hang on, there's a cloud by day and a fire by night. So why is this the other way around? Because this is not God's protection like it was to the children of Israel when they went through the desert. This is God's judgment. Mm. A fire by day and a flood by night. I believe that America is going to see incredible judgment because of the abortion, the children being aborted, because he cannot, the Lord cannot ignore the cries of those children in heaven. They say, who will avenge us and judge us of our blood shed on earth? He cannot. He has to answer that one day. I tell America this this is what I'm telling them. Flee from the north and go south. When I read the when I read the, the Old Testament, I find that all the attacks on Israel are from the north. They're never from the south. They're from the north. Interesting. So I tell people flee. The second thing I see in America, in particular, is that if I if I correlated with Israel, the final judgment of Israel was to divide Israel in two: Judah and Samaria. I'm already believing that America is not the United States. It's the divided states of America. That God will say, I want you to withdraw from the wickedness and come apart. So I'm seeing that happening. When I was in America, I started to say to them, be careful, there's a plague coming. That was two years before COVID came. Then COVID came. I've been saying to them, be careful. That that nature is going to revolt itself against you. And you know that sometimes a hurricane yes. goes through and towns are wiped mm. out. I mean, old towns, not a street, old fires, fires etc. I'm believing that there's going to be volcanic explosions in America that's going to cause big problems. But the Lord said to me that the key is the darkness. I was not aware at that time, I am now, that if a certain bomb goes off, it can knock the American grid out, the electrical grid, that they're in total darkness and they can't fix it didn't know that either. It's a problem then. They say that they're, they're exposed and they know China knows about it. They know Iran knows about it. North mm. Korea knows about it. And they're very worried about it. Even Russia knows about it, that there could be a certain bomb that gets taken. It doesn't actually hit the ground. It's, it explodes in the air and it will take the electrical grid out and they'll be in darkness. And that will fulfill the word that was given to me. Darkness, fire by day, and a flood by night. Because I'm seeing things happening in the spirit from terms of the fires and the floods. I'm seeing tsunamis. 
yes. come to New York and to Los Angeles. I'm seeing that. I can't, I can't shake it loose. I'd love to, but I can't. It actually haunts yes. me. Yes, yes, yes. And you say, why? I'd say, why? Because Noah preached for 120 years, repent, repent, change your ways. So Nobody would me. listen to him. They all died. I'm yes. saying, get out of the north and go south where you're yeah. safe. Will you go back into the Bible Belt? Many people don't like the message at all. I'm saying, but unfortunately, seeds have been sown, and you're going to reap a harvest. You can't expect to sow seeds and not reap a harvest. That's correct. You Being will s- eat the fruits of it. You will eat the fruits of it. And abortion is one of those. So yes. let me tell you a final story on the abortion. I'm, I think we're going to just end up on this session now, okay. and I would like to continue with that because okay. I don't want to lose our momentum on that. Okay. So thank you, Pastor Vanel. That is like was information overload. It was quite, it's quite daunting to see where we're we on, the road we're on, and we need to start turning back to the Lord. Mm. Good afternoon, family and friends, and thank you. This has been such an informative uh, session that we've had with Pastor Andre Vanel. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such a privilege this afternoon. He's from um, the Prophetic Word in uh, Ministries in Hermanus, but he's an international uh, speaker, and he's been all over America. He visits often, um, and you know he's just been part, so strategically part of the fact that there's been reconciliation between America, uh, you know, the politicians and the Cherokees. And yet there are other things that we, that America has been doing, which has overflowed in, you know, with them passing these laws of abortion and that has overflowed to the rest of the, the world. And it's just made it acceptable. And we've all falling into this trap. But there is a time, this is a time for repentance and turning back to the Lord. So if you can just continue with that, because sure. this is so important for us individually and as a nation to hear. Okay, so I'll tell you one short story. Because it's the one yes. that moved me the most. Lady, we go to a home church and this lady is dressed to the nines. I mean, this is a thousand, two thousand dollar dresses. She's got jewels in places. I don't have places. She's got mascara on everything. And I start to minister and she starts to cry. And she comes up to me and she said, I was one of the first women to have an abortion after Roe versus Wade in 1973. Oh, my goodness. She says, um, and I, I've been fine. I went to the Lord and I asked the Lord to forgive me. And I've been fine. But three months ago, I started to get the guilt and the shame again. And I can't shake it off. So I minister to her. What would your child's name be? Speak to your child. Ask the Lord to forgive name you. Name the baby. Name the baby. And then she's, she says, that's fine. She says, I'm, I'm free. I'm free. And I went to the Lord and I said, okay, Lord, now it's fine that we do the, all this deliverance, but h- how does it affect us as a nation? How does it affect America and how can we affect South Africa at the same time? And then the Lord showed me about the Last Supper. The Last Supper, Jesus takes bread and he said, take, eat, this is my body that was broken for you. This is the wine that was made for you for the forgiveness of sins. And I suddenly realized, apart from it just being communion, it's an establishment of a blood covenant yes. with us. Now, the blood covenant started with Abel. He came and made a sacrifice to God. Why did he do that? He did that because he was establishing a blood covenant with the Lord. The blood covenant means this. God, I will establish a blood covenant with you, but you need to establish one with me. Now, God has already done that. He says, I, what I will do is I will protect you. 
under the blood covenant. I will provide for you under the blood covenant. I will then help you plan your life under the blood covenant. And I will then help you prevail over the enemy and adversity. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross. Apart from just our salvation, he came to issue a blood covenant with us as individuals, but as a nation. Now, what we have to do is we have to understand when you have a blood covenant, two parties share blood. Two parties commit to one another. God has committed to us. My question is, have we committed to him? Now, until we commit to him, there can be no forgiveness. And the commitment goes like this. Lord, I promise to protect your word. The moment a nation refuses to honor God's word, they remove the blood covenant from themselves. Mm. There's nothing to protect them from the evil that will come. Lord, I promise to provide for the spreading of your word. That's why the scripture is clear we need to give, especially to ministry. And in South Africa in particular, is one thing we don't do. We don't give enough to ministry. We might give to museums and buildings, but not to ministry. Mm. And it's a problem because part of the blood covenant is I will provide for you, but you must provide for me. The third one is about planning. How many of us sit down and plan our way of sharing the gospel? How many of us put things on WhatsApp or on Facebook, sending the gospel out if you're not a preacher? Maybe write books. I've written eight books. Why Mm. do I do that? I'm establishing the blood covenant with the Lord because I want his protection. Mm. I want his provision. But also I want him to plan my life. Yes. If I go on my own, I'll end up somewhere where I don't Mm. want to be. Mm. So, Lord, rather you plan my life. Finally, the fourth thing about a blood covenant is to prevail. God wants us to prevail in adversity, but he will help us prevail in adversity, part of the blood covenant. So we have this covenant. Now, in, in, uh, particularly in the tribal, tribal atmosphere, you will find if two brothers or two people have a blood covenant, that's all that matters. Everything else is secondary in, yes, in importance. that camaraderie. Same with us. That's why Abraham sacrificed animals. That's why Moses sacrificed animals. That's why Noah sacrificed animals. That's why Abel sacrificed animals. Why? Because they're establishing a blood covenant. Now, the only way that we can, as a nation, turn back to the Lord, the only way America can turn back to the Lord is if they, if the believers once again commit to the blood covenant. Mm -hmm. We promise, Lord, we will protect your word, not throw it out of hotel windows, not remove it from the the state, the the, uh, courts, not remove it out of the schools. No, we'll put it back in because we need to establish that covenant again, you see. Lord, we will prov- we will provide for it. You know what's very strange is our countries provide for mass slaughter, for bombs and weapons of war. Yes, billions, and we give to the gospel zillions, nothing, zilt, and that's a problem to me because our commitment is, Lord, we're here to provide for your gospel. And there are some communities in South Africa, and I won't name names because they'll put me in jail, but let us say this. <laughs> they the give <laughs> nothing to the gospel. If you go to Gideon's and you ask you, how many, how much do you get from these communities? They'll tell you, zit, nothing. Now, that 
creates a problem because what that community has done is withdrawn the protection of God over them. Okay. You see? That makes sense. Now, how about prevailing? We all have adversity, all of us. You have adversity, I have adversity. How do we overcome? God helps us to overcome. But if we're not in that covenant, we don't know how to overcome. And I got just a call this morning. This one guy who's a, who's a, who's a singer wants to commit suicide. Why? Because he doesn't have a blood covenant with the Lord. He's not sure of God's protection, his provision, his planning, and he doesn't know how to prevail over his adversity because he's not there. So we as a nation, America too, South Africa too, if we will return to a blood covenant with the Lord, and we do it individually and we do it as groups, I tell you what, I believe that God will withhold his, um, his hand of judgment on us. Amen. Amen. And that is now truly something that we need to consider and have a, a real look at where are we as a nation, as mm. an individual, mm. are we being covered mm. by the Lord's covenant? Mm. Because there are two covenants you don't mess with, and that is the covenant with the Lord and the covenant of marriage. Absolutely. And it is a marriage yeah. that we have as a nation with God that mm. we keep taking away and removing mm. God from and, and the word from every institution, mm. every uh, bill, every action that we have. Mm. And that is why our nations are in so much trouble. So, Pastor Andre, thank you so much for reminding us. We can be, uh, uh, visit your website about your books um, and just give us a bit of information. Well, okay. Anybody can write to me on S-A-Prophet, that's P-R-O-P-H-E-T, at yahoo.com. That's quite Great. easy. You can even call me. I'll even allow you to phone me. 081-453-8686. If you phone me and you you, um, have a look, uh, you send me an email, I'll let you have all the books. You can have them. And this is how they work. Uh, The books cost 50 rand each, and they're a full book, but we don't try to make profit out of them. We can just leave the information up there. But we send them via PEP because it's cheaper, courier-wise. So I can get a book to you anywhere in South Africa for 120 rand. Fantastic. The 70 rand is for Pep. It's not for us. <laughs> okay, so, great. <laughs> so, but we found yeah, they're cheaper than the courier. It's just curious, so. a yeah. courier service yeah. or whatever courier service yeah. you choose to be because I know some places don't have those uh, institutions. But I would like to encourage you that you can WhatsApp us on 081-729-1657 and telegram us as on the same number, 081-729-1657. If you want to know anything about us, uh, the our guests, um, you're welcome to contact us. And we have an SMS number, 37988. And then we've also got a very interactive Facebook page, 729 Council or 729K Pool. But please come visit us, interact with us, get to know who we are. We have live broadcasts on there. Get to see who our guests are. Get to see who um, we are, we are as, as uh, uh, presenters. And uh, we've got a very important counseling department. As is, this is a very touching subject that we had. Um, you're welcome to con- uh, contact us on 021-9177-000 and ask for option one. We can pray with you, direct you, show you the way possibly. And But please contact us if you need any prayer 
or any assistance and we will be there for you. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. Thank you, Pastor Andre It was Absolute such a privilege pleasure. as always. Mm. Uh, really, may the Lord just continuously use you mightily throughout the nations. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, the, the other call in your life at the moment, the other assignment sooner than later. Um, but we need to know that uh, you need to step out there and turn back to the Lord, family and friends. This is the time. Couldn't be more strategic. And please be safe, stick to the rules, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.